You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We're getting the check marks coming in now, the final one. And here we go, letting it breathe. Zach, lead us off real quickly. Well, this is the Huddle Up Podcast. This is the Thursday, July 15th edition. As you can see, don't freak out. Don't X out of your screens. Don't rub your eyes. I am on the left side. I am hosting. Chad Jensen's out today. He's traveling back. I think he's driving back. John, not driving too. So he's on the road today. And I have my handy-dandy fill-in, John Cronenberg, a.k.a. Buona Beast, the producer behind the boards. Your favorite producer is filling in for me tonight. Going to be an interesting podcast, John. Yes. First things first, though. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's been uh, – it was great news when I was able to learn. I, I'm coming on again tonight, be able to speak with all of you, uh, especially on the mailbag where we can get in your questions. Because, uh, you know, I haven't been able to speak about things outside, mostly kind of Rogers or doing a top five. So I really do want to get to everyone's questions here, uh, maybe be able to speak on some different topics that I just haven't had the opportunity to. So I'm excited for tonight. I was going to say it's the first time with me for a while as well because you held it yeah. down when I was on vacation last week with, with Chad. So in the matter of a week, our viewers have gone from Chad and I to you and Chad to me and Chad to me and you. It's a it's a, a whirlwind on the Huddle Up podcast. But we see some support already. Dave Glassman jumping in uh, saying, Zach and John, what a pairing. Mike Evans says, uh, hello, Zach and Beast. So we're trying different things, guys. It's the offseason. We're almost at training camp. And like I said, he, you know, John's filling in right now for Chad. We have so much we want to get to today, though, on a kind of a slower news day. But we have one announcement right off the bat, John, that we both want to make. I'll let you uh, handle that to start. Yeah, I wanted to handle this because um, it was a little bit near and dear to me. I was able to speak with our guest who's going to be on the 19th. Let's bring him on. It'd be Austin Schlotman. Uh, a yeah. lot of you may hear Schlotman, but it's actually Schlotman. He's coming on the, sh- the show July 19th, so that's next Monday, with the Huddle Up crew. It's going to be a great time. He loves to talk. You know, He'll talk everything from football to life, really anything. It, it, you, if you are a Twitcher and you have some time, uh, follow him at Schlotty71, I believe, as well. You can ask him any questions. This guy is an open book, which is, which is really just a fresh – uh, fresh kind of air that you get with him. Uh, he'll he'll be open with you. And on top of that, look at that. You, you, doesn't that look like a guy you want to speak with? He'll be a fantastic uh, guest that we're going to have on July 19th. I'm very excited. I think, you know, if you had a good time with Graham Glasgow, I think this time we learned a little bit more from that. You're going to have even better time. So we're getting Broncos on to the Huddle Up podcast. It's a great feeling. Um, And I know about yourself, but you're going to be doing the interview. So it's going to be exciting for you as well. Yeah, well, first of all, John, I want to give you all the credit in the world because you nailed down Schlotman, correct? I don't want to. Schlotman, correct. Okay, I got to train my brain and not say Schlotman. But, you know, as you nailed down Graham Glasgow, you brought Schlotman on. I see I'm already doing it. Schlotman, let me get out of the way now on the show. But, John, great job. We can't wait to talk to him. We want to pick his brain. And right before training camp as well, July 19th is literally, you know, days before the Broncos hit Dove Valley to begin training camp. And Schlotman is pushing for a pretty significant significant role along the Broncos offensive line. Can't wait to pick his brain, but nice job with that, John. And again, guys, Monday, July 19th, 
8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain, the Huddle Up podcast. Austin Schlopman joined the show. Can't wait to talk to him. But we're going to just – yes, John? I wanted to say real quick, yeah. you know what? He knows that people get his name wrong. He understands that. In fact, his nickname he goes by is Schlotty. So, I mean, he almost – under he almost goes with the the pairing of it being Schlotman versus Schlopman. Uh so I understand how people get confused and and you know it's okay. It's okay. It's it's Schlotman, but it doesn't matter. If we get it wrong a few times, believe me, he won't notice. I mean, I'm sure you you're like me, John. All growing up, people have been butchering both my first and last name. It's not that hard. I've heard, you know, different variations of spelling on Zach and, and Kelberman is not that hard to pronounce, but I've heard Kleblerman, Kyblerman. I'm sure Cronenberg's not much easier as well. So I definitely understand where uh, Schlotman's coming from there, but we're excited for that. We see you, we'll, we see you guys in the comments. What we're going to do tonight, real quick, guys, is catch up on the Super Chats before we hop into the matters of business. As you can guys tell from the title of the podcast, we have sort of an Aaron Rodgers update coming out of Green Bay that Chad and I, and also John, when he's been on here, have kind of hinted at that maybe the Broncos don't have a chance because it's out of their control. And we'll explain what we mean by that in just a bit. But we want to hop on uh, some of these supers. I'm just yeah. scrolling through until I can Let find get, them. Let's get the first one who came in here early, uh, Christian De Jesus. Appreciate that $5 super. It means a lot to us. You were in here what uh had to be 422 so you really were in here early appreciate that um and his question uh, again a five dollar super if fangio got fired after this season do you think brian deball will be the top uh will be at the top of peyton's wish list your thoughts on the bills offensive coordinator possibly stepping in for fangio and bringing in a new a new new era completely switching away from defense to offense that's kind of the crux of my point I want to make here. I I would prefer Brian Dayball, but I wouldn't shed tears if it was Kellen Moore, if it was Greg Roman, if it was, you know, a Mike LaFleur out there in New York now. The point being is if the Broncos or when the Broncos, depending on how you feel about Vic Fangio, when they fire, if they fire Fangio, they have to go with an offensive mind. They went against the grain on both counts when they hired Fangio, an older coach and a defensive-minded coach. They need a younger guy with an offensive mind. And Brian Dayball, the job he's done with Josh Allen in Buffalo, I think, though, teams around the NFL, John, kind of want to see if last year was a flash in the pan or was it the the what Josh Allen really is. If he can be anywhere near what he was last year, Brian Dayball will have suitors banging down his door. And I would hope the Broncos, if they fire Fangio, would be among the interested. Yeah, you got to make sure if last season was an aberration kind of deal. Uh, was it just a one-year fluke? Uh, he's been around the league for quite some time. Yeah. He, I believe he's won – five rings actually in his time with going back and forth to the Patriots. So kind of interesting there, Uh, but you know, he's a name I would love for the Broncos to at least have on that wish list be looking towards at the same time. I'm not writing Fangio off yet. It's just not something I'm doing right now. Uh, I think the Broncos can definitely make it into the playoffs. Still, there's still a lot of opportunity for Locke or Bridgewater, whoever that quarterback will be. So, while I, I understand where you're coming from, this is this is the kind of coaches I would like, as you were saying, the ones you were stating. And Brian DeBall, you know, like he said, even though he's had you know small time jobs where it's been a year here and there as the offensive coordinator, I, I think now he's starting to get an understanding of it and developing just like players do. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm not writing off Vic Fangio, but with John, we have to be honest with each other here. They have no excuses this year. In his third year now, anything short than maybe a 9-8 and eight record or a playoff berth, it would probably mean that uh, George Payton gets to pick his own head coach because he was saddled with a holdover. That's a very rare parent. Usually, like in uh, Atlanta, they hired Terry Fontenot as GM, and he got to hire the head coach, or he was hired with him and Arthur Smith. Vic Fangio was foisted upon George Payton this year and pretty much with the understanding, listen, Vic, we believe in you still. You have a great defensive mind, but you've got to get the most out of this roster. We've tailored it to your liking, especially in the secondary. And I don't know how George Payton and, uh, you know, Joe Ellis could justify bringing back Vic Fangio for next season. So I'm not writing him off, but we have to be um, – realistic that likely the John Elway passing on Kyle Shanahan, passing on Sean McVay, passing on the Nagy's and the Frank Reich's of the world, that's caught up to them. In both this cycle and the last cycle with Vic Fangio, maybe in 2022 they'll have a chance to remedy that, and I would hope that Dayball, Kellen Moore, Greg Roman, etc. are atop that list. Those names get me so excited. I hope you don't mind me grabbing Kathy really quick here. Not at all. just wanted to grab her. This this one caught my eye a little bit. Uh, Locke needs to be on a different team. Broncos are not a good fit for him. He will be like Ryan Tannehill. Watch. What are your just quick thoughts? Because I know we're trying to get to a lot of supers tonight real quickly. This is the mailbag. But uh, what are your thoughts on if – Locke were to go to a different team, could he see different success because of that new kind of new placement like Tannehill had? Well, first of all, like you, I'm glad you said that, guys. If you have any questions, tonight is the Mile High Mailback. That doesn't change no matter who's on the podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to fire them into the comments and we'll pick through them. Let me let me just throw a rhetorical out at you, John. What is the reason that Tannehill took off? Was it just his supporting cast in Tennessee, or or was it something deeper than that? They finally had a coordinator in Arthur Smith, and he's credited him a ton, Tannehill, for his development that finally unlocked his potential. No pun intended there. And I could see the same thing happening to Drew Locke. Let's say if he goes to, just hypothetically, if he went to the Niners, if he went to the Rams, if he went to... God, even the Colts, let's say. If he had a better offensive coach that can mold him... Dallas with Kellen Moore. I mean, Dayball in Buffalo, if he had a mind that more meshes with his skill set and his abilities in the year 2021, I think he would have a better playing career. I think his arm would uh, be trained to take advantage of his talents and hide his blemishes. And we saw some of that, John, in 2019 when the Broncos had a coordinator in Scangarello who was younger, who was more creative, who took more chances, whose play calling was more in tune with a quarterback like Drew Locke. Last year, they had a coordinator in Pat Shermer, and they still do, unfortunately, whose play calling is more in line with Case Keenum or old school Alex Smith or someone from years past. That's not what Drew Locke is. So maybe a change of scenery is what Drew needs if and only if he bombs out in Denver this year. But I'm still holding true to the belief you can coach the mistakes out of him and you can heighten his abilities, of which there are many. He's put them on display. I think coaching is the thing that can do that. And unfortunately, at least in my opinion, I don't think the Broncos have those horses on the coaching staff. I, you know, I hate to be just 
saying the same thing. I agree with you 100% there. If if Locke can survive one more year, make it through this season, prove that he still has enough to uh, invest in and have the new coach come in, let's say, you know, hypothetically Fangio's gone, with a new staff, essentially a new fit for him, a new team, I think he could do fantastic. So if it's the Ryan Tannehill kind of you have to go to a different team or if the Broncos just change enough internally because of coaching, things along those lines, no matter what, a new new kind of scenery could be very beneficial for Locke. Yeah, for sure. I did want to get this from – Sorry. Sorry, John, from Sam Bam. Uh, Sam Bam, $10 super. Appreciate you. Sam. You are quickly, quickly rising up the list. Chad and I talked about this actually earlier today of the super, char- super Chat Superstars. Thank you, Sam, for that. He says, good evening, Broncos country. Eight Thursdays till the first regular season game. Eight Thursdays. We are oh. eight weeks away from week one. It goes so fast, and I can't wait. I wonder if Fangio will have named the starting quarterback at that point, and I wonder if the Rodgers drama will be over. Go Broncos. Yeah, guys, I mean, even Peyton Manning said it the other day. It's a few weeks out until training camp. The Broncos and other teams have to know who their quarterbacks are. It's kind of the same point I was making. They can't drag this out till week one, till week eight before the trade deadline. They want to have their quarterback in place now. They can't play any games with that position. So if it's going to be Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. There is going to reach a point here where a decision has to be made, and that point might very well, very well may be July 28th when the Packers start training camp and the Broncos start training camp. So, no, I think by the time week one rolls around and the Broncos are getting ready to take on the Giants at MetLife, we will have a firm grasp on who the Broncos' starting quarterback is and where Rodgers is. And spoiler alert, probably in Green Bay. Yeah, I think a few days after the 28th, as you were you were suggesting, maybe that's kind of the 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 deadline for me at least. Give them a few more days. Uh, it's not going to make a huge difference though. Those extra days, it's just going to be everyone finally up saying, "Hey, we're sure we can't make this deal happen." All right, the deal is not happening. You go off and worry about Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Locke. We'll be the Packers. We're going to worry about Aaron Rodgers and trying to figure out a way to get him into camp and figure out what we're going to do with uh, Love as well at the same time. So, I, I, when it comes to me, I, I think like exactly what you were saying. Um, the, the drama is going to end pretty, pretty soon. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I am as well. And BNS hopping in $2 super. Thank you so much. BNS. He says, uh, shooting Aloha your way priest and beast hashtag all pro bowls. Thank you, BNS. And John, did you see Taylor Moton's deal out in Carolina, the tackle? I I didn't see the full deal, uh, the amount of money, but I saw it could have been close to what, what bowls got. It was a little more. I think it was 72 and Bowles got 68. He got a few more million guaranteed. And let me tell you guys, if Bowles continues on, and BNS, you're going to love what I'm about to say. If Bowles continues on at his trajectory that he was on last year, his contract, which looked like the Broncos may have overpaid just a little bit. Yeah, it's going to look like a steal considering what tackles like Taylor Moton now are getting out in Carolina. So uh, BNS, I hope you heard about that. And we appreciate you tuning in and contributing as you always do. Uh, I see Willie though. Your alter Willie. ego. In yes, the shop my alter with ego. Two dollars uh, super. Thank hey, you. Hey, hey, in the house, uh, in the shop with Willie. Uh, Two dollars super. Oh man, John, don't call him in. Oh, uh, don't call him though. Yes, he's I a co-host. A, I'm a co-host. Yes, I'm. A, I'm a. You know, I'll be doing Saturday as well with with uh, Luke. So I am starting to come out a little bit more, do more. Uh, you know, different discussions, thinking about something down. <laughs> down in the future for uh as well as for youtube 
Uh, so we're thinking about it. That's right, guys. If you like John, be sure to tune in Saturday night. It's this Saturday, right, John, for Mile High Insiders filling in alongside Luke Patterson. And yeah, we have a nickname from Sam Bam. We're the Zeast. Zeast. Zach and the Beast. So it could be worse. I've been called worse in my life. What else do we (laughs) got here? Willie jumping in again. Thank you so much, Willie. $2 super. Can we ignore the Rodgers update, please? Unfortunately, unfortunately, Willie, we really can't do that. We're going to get to that in just a bit. We'll promise we won't take too much of our time on it. We want to get some more questions and more interaction. But there was a tangible A-Rod report. This is not Bleacher Report speculating. This is not pro football focus. This wasn't aggregation. This was a tangible report that we have to discuss. But uh, hang in there. You'll be okay. Let's get to – you want to get to the matters? Oh, wow. I, I want to just clear the super. Okay. I saw Michaela and yes. uh, saw the red and the Duchess hopping in as she always wants to do. Michaela, Chad plus Zach plus Beast equals Hall of Fame pod. Well, Michaela plus HUP equals GOAT, and that's what you are, Michaela. You are the GOAT. You are the greatest. Thank you so much for your continued support, and it was uh, great having you on. We look forward to seeing you and everyone else out there, guys. Week three again. It's getting closer now. I mean, week three is September 26th. Huddle up on meet and greet outside the stadium for the Broncos home opener against the Jets. John's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Chad's going to be there. The Some of the crew's going to be there. Fun times. Look forward to seeing I think that each means, and every one of you. I think that means 11 weeks away because wasn't it eight weeks till football? So we got 11 weeks. I don't math, so I'll take your word for it. But that's <laughs> okay, not, so we'll, right now, far at away. least on, on my level of math, we're at 11 <laughs> weeks from that. So that's going to be fantastic. Michaela, always appreciate talking to you, and, and thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. Yeah, you including me in the trio. Thank you, Michaela. I want to get to the matters of business lightning quick, as Chad Jensen would say. Be sure, guys, if you haven't already, to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account at a Mile High Huddle. You can follow John on Twitter, as you can see, at John KMHH. You can follow myself, as you see on your screen, at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't already, guys, go to Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like the page, follow the page, stay up to date with the podcast. Also, Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Big blue button, John. Can't miss it right in the middle of your screen. Click that, subscribe. I think it's five bucks a month. You get access immediately to three exclusive shows right off the bat. You got Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone. We have more coming on the way. And when I say more, I mean, can never do that the right way. I mean, that guy right there. So stay tuned for that, guys. And check it out. Also, huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a shirt. Get yourself whatever you guys want. I promise it's on that site. We appreciate your patronage there. And though, if you can't do any of those things, I completely understand. I really, really do. I just ask you three things that take two seconds, completely free, and would help us immensely. That subscribe, like, and share each and every video you see on the Mile High Huddle YouTube page. Like I said, it helps us grow and reach Broncos fans just like you that are wandering without a podcast home. Let's be that home, John. Let's be that roof that people can feel safe under. But with that being said, uh, I want to get to a few more. Let me take down that banner. Sorry about that. No worries. Let me get to – I saw Shadow Jacker, $5 super. Thank hey, you so Shadow much. Jacker. It's yeah. been a little bit of time. Great to see you. Uh, go ahead and take this, Zach. I just called him Shatter, so we're off to a good start. Hey, fellas and chat, what's the one team on the schedule you're looking forward to defeating? Well, John, I'll serve this over to you in a second, but I I think uh, – yeah. I think Kansas City would be an uh, an obvious an obvious answer taking down the Chiefs this year any divisional rival I guess maybe to make it non cheesy as well I would say week 3 to take down the Jets with us in attendance and the Mile High Huddle meetup I'm going to say though and this is not 
a cop out. I'm going to say week one. And I say that because if the Broncos are going to have a good season, it's going to require to beat teams that they should beat. And there is no reason why, even on the road, they should not be able to beat the Giants in week one. And I want them, John, to start off with that momentum and maybe stack those wins. They have Jacksonville in week two, New York in week three. Those are three winnable games. But it all starts in week one for confidence sake and for the stat column. So I'm going Giants. Yeah, those are those are great points as you were talking about starting off great with New York Giants week one. Getting, finally getting to the Jets as you were also talking about going against Wilson. Hopefully that'd be fun for the tailgaters when we come out to that day. Uh, for me, I have to go a little bit personal. Uh, I I'm, I want to be – of course I want to beat Kansas City. Of course I want to – I have to beat Cleveland. You have to beat the Cleveland Browns for me personally. This is my personal choice. Doesn't make has to doesn't have to make any sense. I just do not like the Cleveland Browns. Tell us why. Uh, okay. So I was born in Cleveland. So most of my family is from Cleveland. They they detest the Broncos. Think about that. You know, they were they were not fans of the fumble and, and the drive. So they, they've been on some bad experiences with the Broncos. Uh luckily my parents, you know, we moved to the great state of Colorado when I was, you know, three months old or so. Uh Basically, so we, you know, I've always been a Broncos fan, and now they like to rub it into their family's faces that, hey, we're on the Broncos side now and we're winning. So I'd always go and dress in nice, you know, nice Broncos clothes when I'd go to Cleveland and get some booze here and there. So for me, beating the Browns is just oh, oh, so such a great feeling. That is a good feeling. I wasn't expecting that answer. Now I want the Broncos to be Cleveland as well. Just, I'm on your side with that. So, yeah, we'll mark that down as a W. But great uh, question, Shadow. I'm going to have to give that some more thought as well. That's a really good question that I like taking uh, at this point in the offseason. I see real quick, John, we have a 999 Super from Seth Harmon. Uh, no comment, no question, just a Super to support. Thank you so much, Seth. We see you uh, watching on YouTube, so we appreciate you. And, Thank you, uh, Seth. That, mean, that means a lot, and we'll be on the lookout for anything. I know you yeah. usually give us a nice uh, super sticker, so maybe you didn't want to do that with me in the back end, you know, working this way. If so, thank you so much. Uh, th- again, thank you as always, Seth. And uh, Edward Keating, as always, every single podcast. I don't want to just spout off Chad, Chad Jensen-isms, but it's true that it wouldn't be a podcast, a Huddle Up podcast, without Edward Keating jumping in and being supportive. Thank you, Edward. He goes, showing some love. Thanks, Zach and John. Zach with an H. Still, God, guys. K, <laughs> K guys, K. Thanks, Zach and John. Hit that like button. Hashtag DB4L. Uh, hashtag Lock2021. Hashtag Let Them Hate. Hashtag State of Being. Thank you so much, Edward. Uh, and Willie. I mean, John. I know. I mean, Willie. Again, another super thank you, Willie. I don't care if it was Schefter. We appreciate you. We don't care either. Uh, look who we got here. Descending. Ooh. Deciding to bless oh. us with his presence after coming on the show last night supporting the show while he was interviewing and then supporting afterward, interacting. Sue is the man. You are the superstar of the podcast. You are the founding father. You are Zeus for a reason. Thank you, Stu, so much. Great to see you as always. Hope you're doing well tonight. He says, hi, all. Any word on how our tight end group is doing so far? Fant is going to have a big year. John, you know what I saw today on Twitter? I don't know what talking head it was or what stupid offseason list it was. I think it was like top 10 tight ends or something, maybe top eight, whatever. Noah Fant wasn't on there. It's amazing. It's amazing. I know he doesn't have the production to back it up yet, 
mostly because of his uh, coaching and his quarterbacking. But this guy is a star waiting to happen. And when, this coming season, when he bursts onto the scene, everyone's going to be like, oh, I knew it all along. Well, these lists don't dictate that. You left him off for a reason because you don't anticipate him doing anything. Why? The only reason is because he's wearing orange and blue. That is the only reason. You put him on Green Bay or the Ravens, he's a perennial off-season all-star. So that was a little bit of a diatribe. I have to get off my chest real quick. Uh, In terms of the tight end room, John, I'll I'll serve this over to you in just a second. It's Noah Fant, a recovering Alberto, and then pretty much that's it. They badly need a blocking tight end. They think they can have this guy coming out, the UDFA, Sean Beyer. Uh, They signed a guy. What's his name? I always, I always, uh, I, I, his I, name. it starts with an S. I can't remember his name as well. Uh, sorry Every about time. that. He's kind of a Jag. So that's very that, much. It, so that is the reason. Um, when we were talking a little bit about fan, I do have to say last year, what an impressive year for a guy who had high ankle sprain pulling through every single game, trying to make big plays and then just not seeing the ball when he was yeah. really struggling and pushing through that pain. Like, like you would want any player to do. That was that was the the epitome of a of a strong football player toughness. And and no, we couldn't. The Broncos could not use that to their advantage. He was still open with that high ankle sprain. It means a lot when those players have those high ankle sprains. You don't yeah. understand how much it slows them down completely with how they move laterally. Every so many different things. So uh, for the tight end room, obviously a healthy fan going to mean a lot of bigger things. Uh, Alberto, hope to hear him being healthy. Uh, don't expect him to be much, you know, in terms of the, you know, I, I just don't expect too much from him. As well as you were saying, buyers, you know, he's kind of, I'm assuming, to be the blocking tight end. As well as we'll see what Beck can contribute if he's that fullback tight end or, or if he's just that fullback. Yeah, and ask Royce Freeman about high ankle sprains. That They can ruin your career. They can ruin what you're doing. So it, it's tough to get over. And it sucks, like you said. You know, it's one thing to get over that, to play through it, but then to not get featured, to get ignored by your coordinator, to get no opportunities is, is so maddening. So the Broncos, the good thing about Pat Shermer, at least in this situation, is he doesn't use many tight ends. So beyond Phantom Alberto, they don't really need – you know, anyone that's an all-star for third string. They have Bayer, they have Ford, they have Beck, and they have Saubert. That's his name. Thank you, Sam Bam, Saubert. That's, he's such a jag, I don't even know his name. So after, there's a drop-off for sure. I mean, they don't have Fumagalli, they don't have Jake Butt. There is a drop-off, but they hope that either Bayer or Saubert can step up in the number three role just as a blocker, like you alluded to. I got a quick question for you. Just, I hate to go sidebar. Yeah. Were you surprised that um, Butt and uh, Fumagalli found teams uh that they found teams well not a fumigali so much i mean he does have a little bit on his resume but jake mm-hmm. but who did he sign with he was a, he's a chicago uh, bear a bear that's right i, I mean I, I think there's always going to be someone out there all it takes is one obviously there's always going to be someone out there that's going to gamble on the upside and hope that his knee didn't just go through four acl tears and surgeries uh they're always going to gamble on his name i mean at michigan john he really was a highly touted prospect and in the orange bowl if he didn't wreck his knee he could have been maybe a second round pick so i'm not shocked but i am kind of surprised that the bears don't see butt for what he is and that is unfortunately uh damaged goods 
Yeah, I agree with you there. We got Fernando coming in here. Uh, I can now pronounce your last name. Sorry, forgive me. Chomomentes. Chomomentes. Thank you so much. Fernando Chomomentes. <laughs> Hope I didn't then, butcher that, Fernando. With a 999 Super. Will Denver sign anyone else for the interior line? Can I just flat Go out ahead. say yeah, no? No, there's no reason to. I mean, who, whoever you're going to bring in is just a, someone who's going to lose out to one of the um, superior interior offensive linemen the Broncos have. They have interior offensive linemen that also have versatility, can play right. center, and can play guard. There is no reason to bring anyone else in. Uh, if anything, you're just wasting a little bit of guaranteed money if possible, or you're just holding on someone maybe for practice squad later really thinking down the future undrafted kind of free agent guy just don't see a need though there really isn't what do you think is there a need for it no i'm right there with you and if you sign someone all you're doing to add on to your point is taking reps away from a young a younger guy which i literally despise and the broncos right now john have more interior linemen and linemen overall than they they know what to do with I mean, they have Quinn Miners, who's technically not a starter, and he was drafted fairly high. They have Graham Glasgow coming back. They have Reisner. They have Mootsy. So that's four interior linemen right there. Then you throw in Cushionberry as well. That's five. I mean, you don't need many more. I'm right tackle, I mean, they're set there on the edges. They have Bowles, Anderson, Massey, and Fleming, et cetera. Interior, they have even more than that. So I think, Fernando, they are set for now, and they're going to get the best five on the field. And who, whoever those five are remains to be seen. Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's see if we can find another real quickly. I'm um, just going to shout out Gilster. Got to ju- jump at the end. So we're just going to go Gilster. Actually, here he gave a stupor. I appreciate that. Thank you. Beat those Chiefs. So I assume uh, that's the team you want to beat. If you can make sure you could beat one team, you got to beat those Chiefs, especially, I'm assuming, in Arrowhead. Just assuming. If I'm right, Gilster, let me know uh, because uh, I, I have a feeling that's how most fans are right now. If you could pick one game where the Broncos would win, beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's what I predicted last year. I thought the Broncos would uh, split with them, and I had the Broncos' victory coming at Arrowhead. It didn't really work out that way. Uh, but hopefully this year, Gilster, I think they have as, be- as best chances they had the last five years. If the offense can step up a little bit more and the defense can play a little bit harder, uh, they can hang with them and maybe even pull off an upset. But, John, Gary leads Palmer hopping I, in. I just had to say give him a salute because he's always giving stars and support, and uh, I see it in the back end. I can't today, unfortunately, so some of those superstars aren't going to get noticed. However, uh, I'll look in the back at, at the end, and maybe we can find a way to reach out to you guys. Uh, but Gary leads Palmer in here every single day with the super uh, superstars. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary. Another person in here, always, Andrew, hopping in, $1.99 super. Thank you, Andrew. He goes, my $2 contribution to MHH purchasing the Broncos. Uh, we're getting there. You know, slowly but surely keep chipping away, Andrew, and uh, we'll make a, we'll make a case for it. I saw a question, though, John, tying into that from Clay here. Clay, did, I'm not even going to try. Clay, Father Super, thank you so, so much. We appreciate you. And if this is a new name, John, uh, I, I believe it is. I it haven't. is. Um, so we, and we'll, we'll get that last name down. Believe me, uh, Chad is the last name specialist, I feel like, for us. Diglesh? I digress on that, though. Anyway, Clay, thank you so much. He goes, thoughts on the latest news for Broncos ownership future. Some just broke five hours ago. Listen. 
Chad, John, I will be the first one to tell you uh, the legalese, the the very minute technical details. It kind of goes over my head a little bit. I'm kind of checked out on that. Basically, though, from what I interpret, it's either going to be Brittany or no one in the Boland family. And right now, John, it's veering toward, again, my opinion, my read on it, it's veering toward an outside sale. We don't know who would be up for purchase for the Broncos if it's, you know, a Peyton Manning led group or if it's someone like Bezos or someone like Robert Smith. But from right now, from everything happening in court and all the legal moves, it seems like it's Brittany in the driver's seat in house or, you know, uh, just turn out of house and sell the franchise to an interested suitor that we do not know. Yeah, and what, what I've been hearing on, I think, what you're talking about, some of the news that broke was um, the trustees were, were – there was something involved with the trustees and how they were um, filing their obligations. So that was something that came up recently. Again, this is a very complicated case. We're not talking yeah. about something here right. where it's a even a million dollars at stake. We're talking about hundreds of million dollars plus assets that are worth even more multi hundreds of millions of dollars. So we're talking billions of dollars at stake here. This isn't something that is, you know, even with me taking some business law, it's not something I can even touch. I can't think of how to to start and where to start. So um, nothing for me there. Sorry about that. Keep it locked in though, guys. And uh, as news becomes available, we'll be sure to break it down. Be sure to keep it locked to the site. Yes, John. One thing I've been talking to some people just in Colorado when I have my Broncos gear on, they'll say to me, who do you think the owner should be? Or I'll ask them. It's amazing how people say they either want a Boland to stay, stay with it or someone in Colorado. I'll list a few names and every single time Anschutz come up, comes up, people go, oh, I'll take him. I'll take him. So – just, just something to, to note. Clay, it's interesting. Tell us who you want the Bronco. If the Broncos were to, I mean, they are going to have a different owner, but do you want Brittany? Do you want Bezos? Do you want someone in the Colorado community? Uh, you let us know, but thank you for your support. I want to just shout out Michael Ronquillo. He's so supportive on Twitter every day, John. He's literally tweeting individually at Chad and I at the MHH account saying, great show every night. So, Michael, thank you. And I wanted to highlight what you said. He said, good evening, Zach and John K. Got your full name in there. Great to see you guys today live on Facebook. Mile high salute to you guys. Go Broncos. Thank you. And mile high salute to you as well, Michael. Thank you for all your support and tuning in tonight. Let's keep going through, John, if we can, these yeah. supers. And you guys, again, this is the Mile High Mailbag. We're at 33 minutes and counting. It might not be a full hour tonight. Obviously, if it slows down, we'll cut it a little early. So if you have any questions, please fire them in and we'll try to get to them as best we can. We appreciate your service. Um... I got one right here I saw from, I think it's Sam Bam. Yep. Sam Bam again, $5 super. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, if Locke wins the job and the Broncos start off two and three, is that the point Locke gets benched? How short is Locke's leash? Well, this is a very layered question, Sam. I'll throw it back to you in a second, John. Um, You can't look at it by record unless the record after five games is one and four or 0 and five. I think two and three, they can justify keeping Locke under center, but how is that two and three record comprised? Did they win those games in spite of Locke? Did they lose those three games because of Locke? That will determine how long Locke's leash is. 
going forward. It's a game-by-game basis. I don't think, though, on its face, surface level, two and three is enough to yank lock. It's still early in the season. They're a game off from 500. A lot can still change. If it's 0-5, though, or 1-4, or in those five games of two and three, he looks just uh, irredeemable and beyond repair, then maybe. But on its face, two and three wouldn't be enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. It really depends on how those two and three, how that two and three record occurred, really. Um, so this is one of those things where if you tell me he had great games and, you know, he didn't have turnovers, then of course I'm not going to bench him. But if it, it was turnover after turnover, then we're going to have some issues. So uh, again, it really depends on the actual situation during those games. Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, Gary Smith, uh, I want to just get this question because Gary's always uh, firing questions. Yes, I want to give him some love. He goes, uh, he goes. what do you all think will happen if the Broncos go 4-13 and this year? It's still interesting. You know, I can't do that in my head. He had 4-13 and and 17 games. John, what do you think happens, though, if Broncos go 4-13? and Well, I think, obviously, coaching, clean house. Yeah. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of different changes for – uh, the defensive scheme, because, you know, again, you're bringing in a new defensive head uh, defensive coordinator. Maybe it's a head coach defensive minded, as we talked about earlier. We, we're leaning not towards that. But if there is a defensive head coach, maybe he doesn't use linebackers the same way. All of a sudden you don't sign Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. So this it's really is if four and three happens, we're talking about different players. We're talking about different coaches. We're talking about probably a different owner, probably by that time too, because the fans are going to be so done with it and and the Bolins will be too. So I think you're going to see a lot of different changes. If it's four and 13, uh, it's just, it's not going to be pretty fan Broncos fans are going to check out early as well. That's a really good point uh, about um, you know appeasing the fan base. It might speed up ownership if they have a, a bad record like that. And pretty much my answer mirrors yours. If they go four and thirteen, the only face you'll see from this year and next year is George Payton's. Everyone on down from him would be gone. That includes the quarterback. That includes the coach. And that includes also uh, Staples veteran older players like Von Miller, who's on a one-year contract. So it's a total wholesale house cleaning. If they do go four and thirteen, it would be George Payton just remodeling the entire uh, Broncos franchise and pressing that reset button and hoping for a better result in 2022. I saw a question though. Thank you, Gary, yeah. from Andrew here. Off ball question what scenario could we get Lindsay back playing Madden 21 he's going to be there forevermore and he's a beast on here making them all quit um to get Philip Lindsay back that would have to assume not just the Broncos want him back but Lindsay would want to come back to Denver after the way they treated him and kicked him to the curb if I was Philip Lindsay I wouldn't come back to Denver even though I was I had so much success there I did see though it was about a month ago maybe six weeks ago Cecil Lammy of The Fan put out an article where he kind of speculated about Lindsay's return and, and how it could happen. That And he didn't rule it out. He said it's not within the, you know, out of the realm of possibility that Lindsay could come back. But you just, you have Melvin Gordon for one more year. He's very highly paid. You traded up in the second round to draft Javante Williams. You signed Mike Boone coinciding with Lindsay's departure. And you still have Freeman on the roster in a contract year. So the only way Lindsay would come back, and that's assuming he wants to, John, is if, well, Gordon's going to be gone, Freeman's going to be gone, Boone's a jag, and Pookie does not do enough to overwhelm the coaching staff. But even then, you don't invest in a second-round running back only to resign the guy that you, you, know, you replaced him for. Yeah, and I, I, 
I may be the only guy at this time, but I have a lot of hope for Bellamy uh, as well, actually. Um, maybe coming on the practice squad this year, maybe he can earn his way up eventually. Uh, but I agree. For Lindsay to come back, the only, you know, the only thing I can think of what would be so great for Philip would be advertisements. You know, he could definitely make money in terms of doing a lot of advertisements. That's a different way to make uh, money versus, you know, going to a different team and maybe taking a little bit more money. But still, you don't you don't want to have he's not coming back as much as he would probably love it in his heart. It's just there, there's bad blood. Yeah, and it wasn't. We can't blame Elway for getting rid of Philip Lindsay. It, it was a George Payton move. So I think as long as Payton's there, there's going to be some bad blood with Philip Lindsay. But I wish him the best in Houston, and yes. I will think. I do think he'll take advantage of that and become the running back that we all think or thought he can be in Denver. Willie jumping in again. That's the third super. Thank you, Willie, so much. Two dollars uh, super. We have to win at least three out of the first six for Locke in terms of Locke keeping his job going forward. And that's why I'm saying though, John, the first three games are the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. The Jets might have a decent defense, but the Jags are barely there. The Giants are a work in progress. I mean, there's no reason why they can't open Denver can 3 and 0 to start the season. That would give the, the team a lot of confidence. It would it would give Locke a lot of confidence and it would, I hate to tell his haters, increase his leash, increase the amount of time he would have under center. Uh, but Willie, I do agree with you that in those first 3 games, they can't go worse than 2 and 1. I mean, tell me if you disagree, John. If they really want to compete this year, if they want to be a 9-10 win team at a minimum, they have to beat the teams they should beat, and that starts in the first three three games. I agree with you 100%. You have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. If not, those are the plus and minus few games that's going to keep you out, that's going to maybe – it's also just you want to start the season feeling good. Let's have for the first time in – I don't know when, where we have a quarter of the season, although now it's 17, a first quarter of the season where the Broncos are feeling good. So they're going into this the second quarter of the season, going into their bye week, feeling good, able to rest up. They need to come out with these first three wins and, and come out strong. I want to give Tommy Simmer some love, another guy who's always firing off questions in this chat and doesn't always get the love he deserves. He's asking a fantasy question. Uh, Noah Fan or Darren Waller in fantasy value? Production versus projected place pick, who wins? I'm a big fantasy guy, so I'll take this to start, John. if if it was a keeper league, I I think I would bank on Noah Fant's upside and hoping that he gets better coaching staff and hopefully maybe a better quarterback next year. Uh, But for right now, Darren Waller is the guy in the, I was almost at Oakland again, in the Vegas passing game. I know they have rugs, I know they have some receivers, but he is still the guy that makes it all go from Derek Carr. So, I mean, I wouldn't take Darren Waller or Noah Fant or any tight end for that matter, super high in the fantasy draft. But for right now, I just I got to go Darren Waller first. And I agree with the second point you made here, uh, Tommy. I think Waller is the biggest buyer's remorse next year in fantasy. Very well could be. If Henry Ruggs takes a better, a big leap forward, it could take some targets away. But that red zone offense goes through two people. One on the ground and Josh Jacobs, another guy through the air and Darren Waller. And until Noah Fant gets going in Denver, we, we can rely on him as a surefire thing, which might not happen, unfortunately, this year. Um, I got to go Darren Waller. Yeah, I'm not too big into fantasy football. It's just not something I've uh, I've always liked it more as just because I feel like I'm rooting against my team at some time. So I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, but at the same time, Waller, from my understanding, is going to go a lot earlier. So I, I feel like you could get a steal in fans. 
Uh, that's coming from an outsider's perspective who doesn't know fantasy football that well. Uh, if Fanco is going a few rounds later, you might want to snag him as well. I'm not 100% there. You are the fantasy guy, and that's who we're going to go to for our fantasy questions this year for sure. I would for sure have Noah Fant on my team. I just I don't think I would I would leap to grab him or take him too high or take him over Darren Waller. But if he's there in the middle, the fifth round, the sixth round, if you have a place on your roster and Noah Fant's available, snatch him up on the off chance he gets good quarterbacking, good play calling. That's a pro bowler waiting to happen. One question for you for those that have flexes. What are your thoughts on the two tight end kind of model? where you have two tight end, you don't like that. Not for you. A flex should be a receiver or a running back. I don't, I don't really, I, but you have so to many grab two premium tight ends. You have to get the, the best of the best. So you're talking Kittle Waller Kittle or, you know, Kelsey. Or Fant, Kelsey, exactly. So you're talking two of the best tight ends that you're basically saying, that's how I'm going to win the, the, my season. It's such a fleeting position, though, because you name those guys, but who's after the top five or six in the NFL? It's not like a running back. It, it, the list just falls off. So my flex guys were always receivers or, or uh, running backs. Those guys win the league for me. But in speaking of the league, Willie hopping in again. Willie, you are the man. Speaking of fantasy, Willie says, put me on the list. John, we have him. We'll get you down. We have a running list. And, guys, again, if you don't know, we started doing this, I believe it was last year or the year before, but we have an annual MHH Fantasy Football League, one league, platform to be determined, but where it's looking like a paid league this year, paid entry, it ups the ante. It reduces people who just set their lineup once and walk away and never look at it again. It should be competitive. And, again, call to action. Anyone who wants in on the league, let us know. We will get your name down. Willie, we got you down, and we appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's get uh, Travis. Oh, uh, we got Willie. We're good. We got him on the list. I added him. So we're good with you, Willie. And of course, we will get you in there. So appreciate you, Willie, as always. I got Travis, who's usually giving us uh, superstars. I know some things have been going on for you personally in your life. So hope things are getting uh, a little better. I know it's going to take time, obviously. But Travis saying, uh, uh, if we get a new coach, it would be great to get Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he's a former Colorado Buffalo, and it would be great to beat the Chiefs with him. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the enemy? Uh, that's another guy. I, you know, I usually I usually name him among the spiel of you know future coaches in the NFL, and I omitted him this time. But he's definitely an option. And the only reason I, I omitted him though is will Kansas City ultimately allow him to get away is he not going to take over for reed when he departs is he not the future kind of like mcdaniels out there in, in in new england but secondly i don't think it's a racial thing but you have to wonder why he's still a coordinator you have to wonder what is the holdup where it's at least two coaching cycles now and the guy who's had championship success with patrick mahomes the best quarterback in football for my money um, he, he can't get his own head coaching job. So you have to wonder, is it is he a bad interviewer? That's the rumor out there. He can't interview well. Is it something where teams don't believe that he's the guy running things, that it's a product of Mahomes, Magic, and Reed's prowess? I don't know, but if he's legit, as I think he is, and I think you think he is, John, I would love for him to stay home in Colorado, his stomping grounds, and coach the Broncos and get the most out of the next quarterback, whoever that may be. Yeah, I would love for him to come back to be a or to be a part of Colorado again in our culture. However, I just don't see it happening just because of some of the rumors of him not being a great, uh, you know, 
uh, someone to interview. So if someone comes in and interviews and says, this is how I'm going to do it and lays back and doesn't you know, do anything beyond that, that's hard, really hard for you to get uh, inside the inside track versus uh, someone else who interviews well and also has that uh, background that, you know, you see from being to me. So um, I don't know what the, the situation is with him, uh, but I think as years go on, you can't deny that he's doing a fantastic job. And if it's not what's happening with, uh, you know, with, as you were talking about uh, the, the, the Patriots and getting a, a new coach kind of set up for the future, I don't see why he would stay this long and not take a, a head coaching job. And, you know, to your point as well, and, and my counterpoint is always, well, he might not interview well, but you know who interviewed really well? Vance Joseph. And, he, you know, that didn't work out. So you can't judge a coach based on how they interview. You have to judge them on the X's and O's. And, listen, I, I don't want a guy who's great with the media. I don't want a guy who's, you know, ver, 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 voracious and uh, and verbose. I try to combine those words. didn't work out too well. I want a guy who may be a little ornery, maybe a little weird, maybe a little bit of an a-hole with the media, but that guy is going to win you ball games. That guy is going to coach up an offense. If he can do that, I don't care how we interviews, you know, just show me the results. But our pal hopping in here, I want to get to this question to piggyback off our coaching discussion. Thank you for your question. He goes, uh, you guys think they will keep Mike Munchak if they fire the coaches? John, there's a list on half of my one hand of coaches the Broncos would consider keeping if they were to clean house, which they will if they have a record, you know, anything less than nine and eight or so. Mike Munchak and Bill Kolar and and maybe Reggie Heron are three guys I could see the Broncos keeping around, but there's no guarantee. If George Payton can say, listen, you're all part of the the last regime. You were all brought in with Vic Fangio, with John Elway. It, it preceded my time here. You got to go, Mike. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, those were the names I was thinking of. So Mike Munchak is the guy, man, on any football team, you have to want him as your offensive line coach. He improved um, Garrett Bowles by being able to speak to him in in the way Garrett Bowles needed to learn. Um, So he he can do some great things with any offensive lineman. I think he's a person you want to keep, as well as Kolar, just because, again, Kolar is great what he does with the work with the defense. I don't know if they would say, you know, you were a part of Fangio with the past. Maybe it's just time to let the past die. Uh, but Mike Munchak is number one on the list of you. You gotta, you gotta try to, gotta try to keep him. He's just too, too valuable. As we were been speaking about with Alex Gibbs, how he did so many tremendous things for the Broncos, led them to two thousand yard rushers, led them to Super Bowls, led them all those different things. Munchak is the new kind of era, even though he's kind of at the end of his career, that he was the new era afterwards of that kind of uh, O-line coach. And a name that I uh, forgot about, that's true. Dylan brought it up and Albert Knoppers brought it up. Zach Azani, Broncos receivers coach. That's another great uh, shout as well. He could be a guy you routine, but to the same point about Mike Munchak, again, it takes two to tango. Who's to say if if there's a coaching change, if there's a regime change, they can maybe look for opportunities elsewhere in the NFL. Maybe Azani could be a coordinator at some other team. Maybe he can get a receiver gig elsewhere. I mean, um, you have to wonder what they want to do at this stage of their careers. Do they want to go through a rebuild in Denver, or would they want to latch on with a team that has a better chance of winning right now? But that's a good shout-out for Azani. Great coach, and the Broncos are uh, lucky to have him. Yeah, Azani, great coach. Uh, I, I follow him just on, you know, Twitter. He's a great guy to follow. Very nice. Uh, But I also worry, hey, you know, if he doesn't do well this year and you see Hamler have drops, Judy have drops, 
Just saying, maybe that he doesn't end up staying here. I think he can correct all that, though. Uh, Zebulon hopping in, the overlord of the Facebook star universe. We appreciate you as always, Zebulon, Omega, Kevin, Lind, uh, for your stars and your generosity. We appreciate you. A couple more questions, guys. We just hit the 50-minute mark, and like I said, we're keeping this one a little tight tonight uh, with Chad on the road. But I saw a question from Sam Bam. This speaks to me personally because, you know, as most of you know, I do dabble in covering the Cowboys, unfortunately. So uh, Sam Bam asked, do you think Jason Jason Garrett would get some consideration? He had some decent seasons with the Cowboys and was handcuffed by Jerry Jones, I think. He he really, you know, I, I was only around for the last year of the Garrett, you know, tenure in Dallas, but he he wasn't that handcuffed. He's given just an just an elite, amazing offense, and he's an offensive-minded guy, and he is so conservative sometimes, and he is so vanilla sometimes, and he is so gutless sometimes. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Pat Shermer. So, no. I, I, and, and Garrett didn't do much last year in New York. I mean, he, he was what he was. He was a yes man. He was a good rah-rah guy. You will not find a player that has one bad word about Jason Garrett. But kind of like Vance Joseph, you need more than that. You know, show me the medal. Show me the production. He's a has-been in NFL terms, and I want nothing to do with a retread coach, Sam Bam, if or when the Broncos fire Vic Fangio, which very well could happen in the next, you know, five, six months. It has to be, please, Broncos gods, please, George Payton. It has to be a younger offensive mind. Kellen Moore, Greg Roman, Brian Dayball, I do not care, but stay the hell away from Jason Garrett. Yeah, I wasn't even that close to the Cowboys when it comes to the Garrett era either, really. Um, but for me, I always enjoyed when he stayed around because it gave me a laugh. Uh, for me, it was one of those things <laughs> where I, I – yeah, it was – yeah, it just – I never was a big Cowboys fan. So for me, it was always very delightful seeing Jason Garrett Coming in for another season, it made me feel good uh, for the NFC East because I actually am a Giants fan for my NFC team. If I were to pick, it's the Giants, um, oddly enough. So, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I, nothing to do with Garrett. There's no reason, uh, even with some decent years, they didn't win playoff games. They didn't win. Exactly. It's it's what have you done for me lately? It's, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. And the Cowboys were way too talented with too good of an offense not to win playoff games. And that's ultimately what got Jason Garrett fired. But the Cowboys mistake, John, is a mistake I don't want the Broncos to make. What direction did they go in after Garrett? They hired an older retread coach in Mike McCarthy, and you saw what happened last year, even with Dak Prescott's injury. So the Broncos can't make the same mistake if or when they fire Fangio. It has to be a younger guy coming up through the ranks. They have to find the next Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, et cetera. That's how you win in the NFL. We're going to take one more of those, John, that I saw in case you yeah, see another ahead. one here. I Grab saw it. one from Andrew. This is almost the opposite point of the discussion we were having. Andrew asked, if everything goes to plan and we hit the playoffs, do we keep all the coaching staff? Trade for a tackle and try again. If, you know, if they make the playoffs – they're not going to let Fangio linger. I don't know how many years he'd have left on his contract, one or two, but I would see maybe a one-year extension to reward Fangio for getting the Broncos back over the hump and back to the playoffs. Yeah, if they made the playoffs, it would be because not the defense so much. We all know they're going to be good. If the Broncos make the playoffs, it's because the offense took a step. That would mean they would probably retain either Bridgewater or Drew Locke and Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, keep the band back together. Why would you get rid of them? If you make the playoffs, why would you undo the coaching staff it would be the 
the the affirmation and the confirmation in George Payton's mind that all they needed was continuity, that maybe just stay with the program and trust the process process brings results. So if they make the playoffs, if they go nine and eight, 10 and seven, whatever, they're going to bring everyone back and try to keep that going into 2022. That's how I see it. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Uh, when it comes to the coaches, they're going to want to retain all of them. And unless, you know, someone all of a sudden sees one of these Broncos coaches and sees them taking a jump. Uh, maybe you want to take, uh, you know, the, a wide receivers coach, and maybe it's time to bring him in to be your offensive coordinator. You, you have a good faith in him. That's the only way I could see it breaking up Great point. with the coaching staff. If the playoff run is done and the team really is consistent when it comes for training for a tackle and, and trying that again, you know, really hate to say this. We have to wait for, until the draft, we have to see who's available in the draft exactly. and how the Broncos are going to do that. You know, the Broncos could be happy with a second round tackle and someone um, else for the, the offense. I'm not quite sure. I don't want to think that far ahead because uh, <laughs> we're not even in at the beginning of the college football season. So uh, maybe you trade for a tackle. Maybe you're speaking about trading up for a tackle to make sure you get a really good solid tackle for years to come. Um, so a lot of different possibilities that could happen on that tackle position and that line. John, I'm with you a billion percent on both counts there. Uh, it, we just talked about Zach Azani. If the, if Sutton comes back strong, Jerry Judy breaks out, KJ Hamler, Zach Azani will get coordinating opportunities. So you're right. If, if someone takes a leap, they could get opportunities elsewhere. But if they win and the stars align, they'll look to bring everyone back. In terms of a tackle, though, please just dr- draft one. Stop wasting time with other teams' garbage. Stop wasting time with veteran holdovers like DeMar Dotson and Cameron Fleming. Just draft the guy. You hit on Garrett Bowles now, I mean, and you want a guy you can sustain. And if you draft a guy who you hit on, you have your left guard of the future, you have your center of the future, your left tackle of the future, and your right guard of the future. It would all be set in front of you. And that's where I think the Broncos will go into next offseason. God willing, that's their biggest weakness, John. If, if that's their biggest weakness, not quarterback or any other position, the Broncos are in a good spot. But I think they should try to draft the guy in rounds one, two, three, whatever, and not keep relying on a a veteran holdover. I did see, though, before we get out of here, yeah. one more. Go ahead. Let's grab One it. more. It's a really good question that I want to broach before we hop off. It's from Brian, Brian Armois. Armois. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Good to see you as well. Thank you for your Appreciate question. It. Do you think Pookie, Javante Williams, should start at running back? Should he start? Well, based on ceiling and based on potential and based on hopes, then yeah. But based on right now, he's still a rookie. He's still never taken one NFL snap. And you have a former pro bowler ahead of him in Melvin Merlo-Gordon, who's getting paid a million dollars, more than half of which is guaranteed. So... Should he start at running back eventually? And I think by midseason, if not way sooner or way sooner, maybe even week one, uh, he will be taking over the RB1 mantle. But you can't justify paying a guy $8 million and then not even giving him a chance to start. So initially, you're going to have Melvin and then you're going to have Javante, but it might not last for long. It's a matter of when, not if, John. Pookie takes over for Melvin. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling. Depends on when he's going to, to take over. But until then, you use Melvin Gordon as hard as you can. Yes. You want to have him taking the the blunt of these hits and all the, those different um, early season grinding kind of plays. So then if the Broncos do make it to the playoffs, all of a sudden you have, you have Javante Williams ready to go. And how great is that? Um, so just – 
you know, for me, it just makes a lot of sense both for the future and, you know, for saving Williams for the future, also for the possibility of the playoffs this year. John's talking playoffs got me excited, but uh, Willie, $5 super. Willie, you are the man. You are amazing. Thank you. And we know we didn't miss it. I saw your other comment. Uh, Willie says, how many times do I have to super for John to get his own show? You don't, I mean, we're not going to put a limit on that, Willie, <laughs> and, and wink, wink. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, we have things in the cooker. Uh, we have our different hands and different pies, and uh, we're going to take care of John. Don't worry. Yeah, I feel like uh, things are definitely starting to move. And after a few good podcasts, uh, I felt like it's been it, – we're definitely moving in a positive direction, Willie. So don't worry about it. Speaking of that positive direction, we're going to take a step backward right now and talk about the Broncos starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. John, you know, I'm, we're going to – we're going to both answer you and I on three. We're going to give our prediction as to who we think the Broncos week one quarterback will be. Okay. One, two, three. Drew, Drew Locke. Locke. There you go, Mike. There you have it. We think as of right now, July 15th, it's a lot can change and a lot might change between now and week one. We think right now, Drew Locke will be under center, not Bridgewater, not Aaron, not Deshaun. Drew Locke under center week one. If we're wrong, we'll get on here and say we're wrong. I'll look at you deadpan in the camera in a minute. But right now on July 15th, you know, 7, 12 p.m. Mountain time, we, we feel very confident. I think, though, here's here's one question from a, a name that I don't recognize, Alexander Emmert. We appreciate you hopping in and uh, welcome if it's your first time viewing. Alexander asks, Sutton or Judy as the primary target by midseason? What say you, John? For me, I, I hate to say as primary target – I think it's going to be Sutton still. I think Judy, for, for me, this is hard because Sutton's going to do different things than Judy's going to do. So to say that there, there's a primary target, I don't really see it that way. I see it as Judy's going to open the the deep part of the field for Sutton, and that's going to be the same thing that Sutton's going to do for Judy. However, if we're just talking about who gets the most targets, actually, I think Judy will get more targets. Sutton will get more yards, though, in the end. It's a really important distinction because I think Judy will get more targets, but Sutton will have more receptions. And there's a difference there. I mean, Jerry Judy will get peppered. He's going to be the playmaker, but Cortland Sutton is going to be all reliable for whatever quarterback is under center. Throw it up and he'll get it, or if not, he'll draw a penalty. I think we see the top 10, you know, baby Megatron Cortland Sutton coming back. And then you pair that talent, John, with no matter who's under center, with Jerry Judy with K.J. Hamler, with Tim Patrick, with Noah Fant, with Alberto, with Pookie Williams, with Melvin Gordon. How do you stop them all? How do you slow this offense down if they all get on the same page and and uh, perform as a cohesive unit? It's going to be fun to watch, but I'm right there with you. To start, Sutton had tremendous chemistry. I don't know if you guys forgot if you have amnesia. Go back to 2019 and watch some of those uh, those 4-1, and one, the record that Locke put together. Sutton was a big reason as to why. So they have connection already. And Jerry Judy, he if he gets his hands in order, if he can catch passes, which he's done to his credit this offseason in the in the OTAs and minicamp practices, it's really not going to matter one way or the other. Wide receiver one, wide receiver two, they're all going to eat. And it's going to yep. be fun to watch them pig out. And as Andrew's saying here, you know, Tim Tippy Toe Patrick, you know, or Toe Tap Patrick, you know, <laughs> Tippy Toe Taps. Tippy Toes, whatever you want to go with. I mean, no matter what, there are. Uh, there's going to be playmakers all over the field. Let's get it done. The targets should be dispersed pretty evenly. I'm excited. 
Uh, we're getting some recommendations in this chat for Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler to be the Broncos starting quarterback. So on that note, guys, we're going to bounce out of the Huddle Up podcast for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in with us. It was a blast. And, John, that an hour went by and literally, for me, it felt did. like five minutes. It did. So I appreciate you filling in tonight, sir. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank you for holding it down. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great speaking to everyone as always. I'll see you on Saturday, but I'll be in the podcast, you know, as always in the back end uh, for tomorrow for the Dove Valley Deep Divers with uh, Eric and Lance. So look forward to seeing you tomorrow as well. Yeah, guys, the Huddle Up podcast, we are off until Sunday night, but uh, Chad and I will be, will be back in the saddle Sunday night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, as John said, tomorrow, Dove Valley Deep Divers, Saturday night, Mile High Insiders, and you'll have John there filling in, aside from Luke Patterson. Sunday, Kelberman's Corner, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Mountain Time, Kim Becker and myself. Subscribe if you haven't already for that, but be sure, guys, if you haven't, please do this. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Follow the mo- main mother account, however you want to call it, at Mile High Huddle. You can follow the beast on Twitter at John K M H H. You can follow myself on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Also follow Chad Jensen on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Uh, go to Facebook.com, guys, if you haven't already. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Like the page. Follow the page. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Big blue button, like I said. Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, Kelberman's Corner, more to come. John's getting a show. You got to get in on this. I promise you, you're going to love it. It's worth every penny. Trust me on that. It's going to be amazing. Also, huddleuppod.com and get your swag, get yourself a hat, shirt, et cetera, et cetera, coffee mug, more to come on that front as well. But if you can't do any of those things, again, we understand, we sympathize. We ask you these three things, though. Subscribe, like, and share. See how easy that is, John? I mean, it takes three clicks individually, and you can do all those things and help us out tremendously, and we love and appreciate you for it. That being said, though, we are off until Sunday night. The Huddle Up podcast is. We'll see you then, John. Any last words for our audience tonight? Nothing. Just really enjoyed our time together, and uh, we'll see you soon. See you guys. Uh, Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.